appropriate for what everyone is dealing with. So many people going through some specific trials and burdens. But thank God we have a good God. Amen. We praise his name. Well, let's go to the book of Job and see if we can step into the text today by God's grace and find something from Job chapter number one. Job chapter number one tonight, thinking about our series that we're dealing with now, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people and why don't the guys put it up on the screen? Those are questions that we all have in the services tonight. I guess they didn't know I was preaching on this subject. All right, Wednesday nights. Yes, thank you so much. Why do bad things happen to good people? And listen to me, we found out last week, we may not get the answer, but we know we got a good God. Amen. Amen. And so we thank the Lord for it. So let's go to our text and step into it tonight and gather some details as we study through the book of Job. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man, everybody say that man. Let's, let's not have any discrepancy. I mean, we know where Job was, but then could be God. God could be talking about somebody else. No, 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 no. Same guy I just told you about in the land of us. That man was perfect and upright, wanted to fear God, and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke oxen, 500 she asses in a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. You say, how much did he have? Let me tell you, a lot. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. But Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Let the church say amen. Our Father, we pray you have that blessing to the reading of your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is already blessed. Now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would take me as your vessel, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me be a blessing. Hide me behind the cross of Christ. Do what you do like only you can. Bless us now as we step our way through this book of the Bible and speak to us in our lives right where we are. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Last week, we began talking about the book of Job, understanding we're not exactly clear as to who the human author was, but the Holy Ghost of God inspired somebody, maybe Job, maybe his friend Elihu, maybe Moses, but somebody to write this book who seemed to be a Jew, seemed to be an eyewitness of the events of this story we believe that Job actually happened because he is mentioned by Ezekiel and mentioned by James in the New Testament. And we believe he lived sometime between the flood and Moses. 
we think about Job and we think about all that Job did and how long he lived and the time period in which he lived and the story that God tells us from his life and from Job we learn a great deal of information. All of these details are available if you can get them through last week's message and they can make them available to you. God is in control. Suffering is not always a consequence of sin but a complement to your service sometime. Satan is under God's authority. Somebody say amen. Friends may fail us, but God will not. Even in silence, God is present. Wisdom comes from fearing God and turning from evil. We are prone to sin when we're suffering. Sometimes you never know why. Repentance and forgiveness bring blessings, and God always vindicates his servant. How many of you found at least one thing in Job you could afford to learn, all right? And this book is just a masterpiece teaching us so much from God's word so much that we need because so many of God's people are going through suffering. So tonight, with that backdrop of introduction in our hearts and minds, as God has prepared us to receive this study, I'd like to begin diving into this book of Job. Why do bad things happen to good people? Some of you between last Wednesday and this Wednesday have had some things happen to you and they don't seem fair. They don't seem like they should. It seems like what's going in your life, what's happening in your life, really would fit better in somebody else's life. You feel like you've tried your best. You've, you've done as well as you could under the circumstances. You're sincere in your life for serving God. You're doing everything you can to please God. You're, you're trying to be a good Christian. You're trying to live by the Bible. You're, you're trying to praise him like the songwriter just mentioned to us a few moments ago. And yet, you've got bad things in your life. You're going through financial struggle, physical struggle, family struggle. You've got a prodigal in your life. You've got health issues. You've got situations that have arisen that you did not plan on. I want you to know you are not the only one to whom that has happened. Job is an example of exactly what we're talking about tonight. Why do bad things happen to good people? So as we begin to outline this story in the Word of God, let's observe tonight, first of all, Job's stellar description. Job's stellar description. Notice the Bible tonight tells us there was a man in the land of us. There was a man in the land of us. Now, I want you to understand something. When we mention the land of us, we're not very clear exactly as to where it was, but we do see us mentioned a couple times in Scripture. You might want to write this down because I don't believe it's on the notes tonight. Jeremiah 25 Verse number 20 talks about the kings of the land of Uz. And these were among kings and officials that God was going to judge in his wrath and in his anger. The land of Uz mentioned in verse number 21 of Jeremiah. Um, in Lamentations, Uz is connected with Edom. Rejoice and be glad, daughter Edom, you who live in the land of Uz. So we take from these principles that Uz was probably located somewhere near Edom, that's south of where Israel is, and, and east of Israel. Later on in our passage, we're going to find out that Job gets attacked, and we find out that, that, that the attack comes from the south, and that the south it was close to enough to Edom to, to be linked with it. So we just believe that, that Edom or Arabia 
is where Uz was located. That would be uh, near, near Jordan where we here today. So we really believe that God is not making up some fictitious location where Job was from. This is actually somewhere that existed on the map. Job, according to chapter 1, is from the land of us. So the Bible gives us his particular country. This is, this is somebody from a real place, the land of us. But then the Bible goes beyond this particular country to talk about his personal character. Now, this is what we're hearing about Job before he ever lost his kid, before he ever lost his servants, before he ever lost his barns, before he ever lost his sheep, before he ever lost all of his money. This is Job in the land of us, in his particular country, a real place, by the way, in a real place where there's temptation, where he had a flesh, where there was a devil, where there was culture that was anti-God, there was a man in a particular country with personal character. Now listen to the personal character of Job because it, it encourages me that, that Job was someone with this kind of character. Notice what the scripture says. The Bible says he was a man that was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now, I, I like this because the Bible doesn't just say he was a guy that, you know, did the best he could. The Bible doesn't say he was a guy that just called himself a Christian. The Bible doesn't say he just had I love God on his horses and on his barns. No, the Bible says some things about Job that tell us he really had character. First of all, it says he was perfect and upright. I take that to mean he was a man with a righteous walk. Here's, here's The word perfect doesn't mean sinless. It means mature. It means complete, upright. It means he walked in a way that was righteous. That, that, that's just a biblical way of saying Job got up every day and as best as he knew how, he did what was right. How many of you glad that regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on with the devil, regardless of what everybody else is doing, if you make up your mind and you make some decisions with the help of God living inside of you, you can do what's right. Can I get an amen? Now here's Job. Listen. He's living in a particular country, in the world. You know what happened before Job lived? Adam sinned. You know what happened before Job lived? Man was cursed. You know what happened before Job lived? Every single person that was born was born with a sin nature. So I'm going to tell you, here's a man with a sin nature living in the world that decided, I'm going to do what's right. By the way, I'm glad that in the earliest book that we believe, perhaps, that was written in Scripture, at least one of the earliest, I'm glad that way back when there were still people, in spite of what everybody else was doing, that decided, I'm going to do what's right. Now listen, here in 2024, here in 2024, God is looking for some people living in a particular country, right here in Northern Virginia. I travel sometimes and people say, you live in Northern Virginia. I drove through Northern Virginia one time. I do everything I can to go around I-95, all of that traffic up there. The people are mean. They have so much power up there. They don't speak. They're rude. I don't like it. It's so much honking the horn, and it's so expensive to live. Listen to me. It doesn't matter whether you live in Northern Virginia or whether you live where there's one street light and a Walmart an hour away. You still got to decide you're going to do what's right. And sin is everywhere. I found out when I go to the podunk towns where there are no stores and where there's only one light, when at night I can't see my own hand. You know, I found out they got sin there too. So we need some people, whatever your particular country is, wherever, you, wherever your neighborhood is, whatever your zip code is, wherever town you live in, 
Whatever school you live in, we need somebody in your particular country who will have personal character, perfect and upright. Let's look at the verse again. The Bible doesn't just say he was perfect and upright, but the Bible says one that feared God. So his personal character not involved a righteous walk, not only involved a righteous walk, but also involved reverent ways. The Bible said he feared God. Now, when you see fear of God in the Bible, we're not talking about being scared of God, being afraid of God, although it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. How many of you know we don't need to walk around afraid of God, but ain't God ain't somebody you want to mess with, all right? So the word fear God in Scripture means to respect God, to reverence God, to be in awe of God. Here's a man. Here's a man in his particular country that had personal character. Here's what he did. He said, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to live righteously, but I'm going to give up and I'm get up and I'm going to live reverently. In other words, I'm not going to live in a way that portrays that I don't respect God, that I don't reverence God, that I don't fear God. Watch this now, that I'm more impressed with people than I am with God. Can I ask you tonight in 2024, in the month of January, in, a, in the world that's full of technology, in a world that's full of power, in a world that's full of money, in a world that's full of fame and fortune, could I ask you a question, regardless of what's going on in society today, do you fear God? Do you fear God? Is there any respect for God? By the way, you fear God, it'll change the way you talk. Fear God, it'll change the way you think. You fear God, it'll change the places you go to. You fear God, it'll change the people you hang out with. You fear God, it'll change what you post on social media. You fear God, it'll get that gossip out of your mouth. You fear God, you learn how to tell the truth. You fear God, you be careful what you put in your body. You fear God, you be careful what you click on on the internet. You fear God, you be careful how you treat other people. Listen to me, he was a man of personal character. That means he had a righteous walk and he had reverent ways, but it didn't stop there. It didn't just say he was perfect and upright. It didn't just say he, did, he feared God, but then it says he eschewed evil. The word eschewed means to hate it. So if you were to describe Job's personal character, here's how we describe it. Job was a personal character of righteous walk. Job was a personal character of reverent ways. But Job's character was also described this way, repulsive wickedness. Hey, listen, when it came to the character of Job, let me tell you how you could describe Job. He hated sin. Now, listen to me tonight. Listen to me. You know, mathematics is, is one of those areas of study that requires you to apply the proper, proper formula to get the right answer. Right? You got to know your formulas. Because if you, you go to the answer and you don't do the formula right, you can do everything else right. But if the formula is not right, you can't get the right answer. Listen, listen. The Bible's full of formulas, too. They give you a formula. Faith comes by hearing and hear by the Word of God. Right? I mean, if you, want, if you want faith on the other end of the equation, after the equal sign, right, you're going to have to have hearing and you're going to have to have the Word of God. So that's the formula. Hearing the Word of God equals faith, all right? Uh, Acts talks about faith and repentance for salvation. Hey, what does it, what does it take to get saved? Faith and repentance equals salvation. All right, we, we, talk about, we talk about getting the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Formulas, right? Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. That means don't worry. But everything by prayer and supplication, that means you got to go to God with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. 
equals, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I don't have the peace of God. I don't have any peace in my life. I'm anxious. I got stress. I'm worried all the time. I, I, my mind's all over the place. I can't concentrate. I, 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 just, I just have no confidence in my life at all. What do I do? Take medication? What do I do? Get counseling? What do I do? Play around the golf? What do I do? Get a stress ball? What do I do? Avoid all kinds of confrontation? No, you read Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. And you apply the biblical formula to get the solution. If you need the peace of God. By the way, when you got saved, you got peace with God. Amen. Romans chapter 5. We get peace with God when we get saved. Remember, before you get saved, God is God and you're his enemy. But when you get saved, you go into God's family through Jesus Christ. And once Jesus covers you in his blood, you are not an enemy of God. You're now God's child, so you have peace with God. But there's a distinction between peace with God and the peace of God. Talk to me tonight. There's a difference between peace with God and the peace. There's a difference between peace and the peace. Everyone that's saved has peace, but not everybody that's saved has the peace because in order to have the peace of God, you got to apply the biblical formula. Philippians chapter 4. You got to choose not to worry. You got to choose to pray. And by the way, he says, pray with thanksgiving. What are you thanking him for? Thanking him for the answer. So that means you're praying in faith. You can't thank God for an answer unless you believe he's going to give it. So I've got to not worry. I've got to pray. And that equals the peace of God. And I said all that just established the precedent of biblical formula. Let me give you a formula tonight for hating sin. Huh? Because, because I know Christians that spend a lot of time trying to talk themselves into being displeased with things they keep getting entrapped I keep going back to that drinking. I keep going back to that pornography. I keep going back to that bad life. I said I was going to quit. I keep going back to that bad relationship. I keep going back to that bad. I keep losing my temper. I keep getting an attitude. I keep getting bitter. And I don't want it because I know it's wrong. But uh, come on, come on now. Look, y'all understand what I'm saying? Do you eat stuff you know you shouldn't eat? You know why? Because that light on. That Krispy Kreme light on. And you didn't even put your blinker on. The car turned by itself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that light's on. That means them donuts are warm. And, and, and the stuff we bless. Dear Lord, bless this food. God must be laughing. How in the world I'm going to bless that? Ain't nothing but sugar and foolishness. So we always, we always say not bless it. Lord, just, just forgive me for eating it in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? So, so we eat stuff that we know we shouldn't have. Why? Because we still have an appetite for it. And that's what sin is. Sin is something we've identified as bad, but somehow we can't break the appetite for it. So we need a spiritual formula for hey, how many of you would love if you got up tomorrow morning and automatically hated sin? Never were drawn to it. Never were enticed by it. Never were lured to it. Never had an appetite for it. How many of you would admit, I want stuff that I should not have, all right? Go to Psalm 4, verse number 4. Let's look at that verse. I didn't intend to go there, but it came to my mind tonight just while I was speaking about spiritual formulas. Spiritual formulas. Psalm 4. Tonight. And I want us to look at verse number 4. Psalm 4, verse number 4. 
Stand in awe and sin not. Anybody see that verse? Stand in awe and sin not. Anybody know what the phrase stand in awe could be synonymous with out of the book of Job? Fear God. Can you see what the verse says? Stand in awe and sin not. Does it amaze you that in Scripture, Job chapter 1, that the Bible in sequence said, he walked uprightly, was perfect and upright. Then it said, he feared God. Then it said, he hated evil. Spiritual formula. Listen to me. You can't start trying to hate sin. you got to start fearing God. And the result of fearing God is hating sin. You want another verse? Go to Proverbs verse number, chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. This wasn't in my notes either, but I thought about it. Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 13. Come on, pastor. How many of you say, pastor, I need help? Come on, rescue you liar. Say amen. We all need help. I need help. See, see, I want to prove to you that Job was doing way back when, before the Bible was written, what the Bible told us to do now. Job, Job feared God, hated evil. Proverbs 8, verse number 13. We're almost done. The fear of the Lord is to what? Hate evil. What's wrong with us? Why do I keep wanting that stuff? Why do I keep wanting to watch that stuff? Why do I keep wanting to have an appetite for that stuff? Why, why do I, people used to say to me, I don't know, why, you, you must not watch it because you don't want to watch it. You might not listen to it because you were just born a certain way. Your ears don't like bad meat. No, 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 no. We all have a flesh that wants bad stuff. But something gives us a hunger for righteousness and a hatred for wickedness. And here it is, the fear of, listen to me, the more you respect God, the more sin will repel you. Now we're about out of time tonight. But I just want to be reminded tonight that this is Job. This is the personal character of a man living in a particular country. Pastor, what's the big deal about this tonight? Here it is. Because everybody won't talk about Job when you go through trials. I feel like Job. Pastor, I just feel like I'm going through so much. I feel like Job. Stop calling yourself Job with your trials if you can't be Job with his character. Okay? I, everybody want to identify with Job. As soon as you lose your job, as soon as you lose your house, as soon as you got one trial and the next one's Job. Oh, Lord, call me Job. No, you ain't Job because you got a lot of trials because yours might be chastisement. You can't call yourself Job because of crises if you're not Job when it comes to character. This is where it starts. I, people call me up. I just feel like well, I'm just falling one thing on top of each other. I'm drowning in this stuff. Yeah, you jumped in it. Job didn't jump in anything. Remember, the trials of Job's life, they were not a consequence. They were a compliment. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks. Satan didn't come looking for Job. Satan came looking for something to do. And God suggested Job. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Are you walking right enough that God can offer you to the devil and know you're going to keep doing right? Run and tell that. A lot of people put references down on their resume. Very few are comfortable putting God's name down because they know if somebody called God, 
He's going to tell the truth. This is character. Character with money. You don't learn to walk with God when trials come. You walk before they come and keep walking when they show up. Why do bad things happen to good people? You can't even ask that question if you're not a good person. So let's start with there in the study. Because it could be that this question doesn't even apply to you. Our Father, help us tonight. Help us to get to be Job before the trial. So we can keep being Job during the trial. Pastor, God spoke to me tonight. I want a stellar description about me like there was about Job. I want character. I want it to be said of me that I'm a righteous walk, reverent ways, and repulsive wickedness in my character. God spoke to me tonight all over the building. God bless you. Listen, that's preparation for the trial. That's what it is. Everybody trying to run and be spiritual while you broke, sick. It's too late. You got to be there. So, so, so if, you, if, if things are going well for you right now, you better walk with God. But as soon as them trials come, trying to develop character when you're already under pressure, it's pretty much insurmountable. Do it now. Father, touch your people and help us Lord, to be what we need to be for you. We love you. Thank you for our time tonight. In Jesus' name. All God's children said.